you may stand for the reading of God's Word. And open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we will begin in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access, one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as your people your redeemed, reconciled people. We come to worship you, to honor you, to hear from your word, Lord. And we pray that you would be amongst us, that you would move with your Holy Spirit and open up our hearts, that you would display Jesus to us. And God, as we dive into this topic, a topic of reconciliation, of you, Jesus, breaking down walls of hostility. Lord, I pray that you would display to us, that you would show to us the work that still needs to be done in our hearts, walls of hostilities that still need to be removed. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you can take a seat. Aloha to all of you, uh, those who are joining us online, outside, here In uh, this room, 2020 has been quite the year, and one of the things that has really marked this year was all the derogatory remarks, all the labels, all the name-calling, and if you thought that this was a 2020 problem, uh, you have to think again. Um, Because today in our text, Paul is addressing one of the all-time greatest human divisions. The division between 
Jews, and Gentiles. So great was this division, they even called each other names. The Jews were called the circumcised people. And the Gentiles, the rest of the world, the Jews called them the uncircumcised. And this is what Paul is talking about here in verse 11 as he says, One time you Gentiles were called the uncircumcised. And so imagine, just imagine this. Imagine that this is what you were identified by. You were circumcised or you were not. Imagine you enter into a room and you were automatically divided by this. Imagine being asked, don't raise your hand, but are you circumcised or are you not? This is what set them apart. This is how they would refer to one another. This was very common. It was derogatory. It was to put each other down. There were other people that obviously practiced circumcision, but for Jews, this is, this is was their staple. This is what they were known by. This is what they were identified by. You are a chosen people of God. You are a Jew. You have so much privilege, yet the rest of the world looks at you as the circumcised people. And obviously, division is much deeper than just the external circumcision. Circumcision just pointed to the fact that there was something greater. That Israel was a nation chosen by God, and that they had a covenant with God. They were privileged. And so circumcision was a mark of that. Back then, it was two parties. It was Israel and then the rest. The rest of the nations, the rest of the tribes, languages, and they were called the Gentiles. And God's intention, original intention, what he told Abraham when he made that covenant with Abraham, God's intention was to bless all the nations of the world through Israel, which ultimately God did. But Israel as a people, they had no interest in blessing other nations. Instead, they they were proud about the separation that existed. They were not looking forward to being the the, the blessing to the rest of the world. Instead, they were hard at work to separate themselves. They fueled this division. Theologian William Barclay, a Scottish theologian, he helps us understand how deep this division was. And this this was... especially during this time, during the time of the coming of Jesus, during the time of the apostles, this was especially true. He says, quote, the Jew had immense contempt for the Gentile. The Gentiles, said the Jews, were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. God, they said, loves only Israel of all the nations he made. And so at this time, the barrier between them was so absolute, if a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl or a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, 
the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out, end quote. That is how deep this separation and this division was between them. And so we see there was a separation between Gentiles and the Jews, the people of God. But not only that, there was also a separation for the Gentiles. There was a separation between God and them. And so in our text, Paul shows us both of these divisions, both of these separations. Paul talks about this dividing wall in verse 14, a wall of hostility. A little history. Um, Herod the Great built the temple um, that was currently standing there during this time. And the main building, the main temple, where all the sacrifices happened, um, where the Jews came to worship God, it was built on this platform. And about 20 steps down, there was another platform, it was another court, and it was called the Court of the Gentiles. And around that court, to separate the Court of Gentiles from the rest of the temple was a wall. It was about five feet tall. And that wall was to keep everybody who's not a Jew out. It was a clear distinction. You do not belong here. And all around this wall, there were warning signs. Today, when we don't want people to come to our property or somewhere where they're not supposed to be, we post signs that say trespassers will be prosecuted. Their signs read, trespassers will be executed. In 1817, a sign was excavated. There was a sign found by the wall. It's sitting in uh, a museum in Istanbul. And this is what it says. Quote, no foreigner may enter within the barrier and the enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught will have himself to blame for this, for his ensuing death. This is how strict it was. And Paul personally experienced this. Paul knew about this wall, and we see this hostility on full display in Acts chapter 21, verse 27. There's this amazing story. Um, Acts 21, verse 27, it says, When the seven days were almost completed... The Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, seeing Paul in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law of this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they have had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they suppose that Paul has brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut, and they were seeking to kill him. So this was no joke. This was, this was serious stuff. Paul himself was a victim of this hostility when they thought that Paul brought a Gentile into the temple. 
the division was real. The Gentiles could not go near. They were far off. They were put at a distance. They could not sacrifice for their sin. They could not worship God. They were separated from God. They were separated from God's people. And as we've seen last week in the previous verses, we saw that all humanity was alienated from God. All were dead in sin, but the Gentiles had double alienation. They were also alienated from the people of God. And in our text, Paul shows us this hostility, and Paul shows us how Jesus destroys both of these divisions. And so we have three sections here. First, Paul reminds us who we were. He reminds us who we were. He shows us that we were an alienated humanity. Separated from God and his people, that's in verse 11 uh, through 12. In verse 13 through 18, Paul tells us how, what Jesus has done to destroy this division. And third and final, he shows us who we now are. After Christ has done his work, who we now are. That's verses 19 through 22. And so who were we? Before Christ destroyed the walls of hostility, who were we? And Paul keeps on, back, keeps on coming back to this question. We see this over and over again. Paul wants to remind us. Paul wants to show us who we were twice. Here he says, remember. Beginning of verse 11, beginning of verse 12, he says, remember. Remember who you were. Why is it so important for us to remember who we were? Our culture today is running away. We're trying to hide from who we were. We're not trying to remember who we were. And here Paul tells us, remember. We remember who we were. Because when we see who we were before God's grace came, we can have a great appreciation for the grace and love of God for us. By remembering who we were, by remembering what Jesus has done for us, who he's made us now, we are able to regain our identity. We are able to get clarity on who we are in Christ. And so who does Paul describe us here as? If we look at verse 12, we had some real disabilities. Paul says, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So this division from God was very real. Paul says we were separated from Christ. We had no access to Jesus. We had no hope of the coming Messiah. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Commonwealth means a political community. It's mostly referred to a state or to a nation. And Israel was a nation under God, a 
a kingdom on earth established by God, and the Gentiles couldn't have any part of it. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Paul says we were also strangers to the covenants of promises. The covenant, the promises that God has made with his people, they did not apply to the Gentiles. We did not have that hope. We were without God. And that was all of us. That wasn't just the Gentiles back then. That was all of us. We were separated, alienated. We were strangers to God. We didn't know Jesus. We didn't love the things that God loved. We rebelled against God. We didn't love his commandments. We did not love his people, his church. It was strange to us. And so what did Jesus do? Last week, we saw earlier, in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, Paul described our spiritual state. He told us that we were dead, that we were enslaved, that we were condemned. And then something happened. What happened? But God. Paul says, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. Something very similar is happening here in this text. Paul is approaching the same issue, but from a different angle. Very similar language that he's using. He says, we were separated. We were alienated. We were strangers. We were without hope. We were without God. And in verse 13, he says, but now... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You, were, you who were far off, you who did not belong, have been brought near. And it wasn't because the Jews finally changed their posture. They softened up and they're like, all right, we'll accept you. You can come near, we'll tear down this wall. It also wasn't because we somehow figured out a way to get near to God. No, this is fully the work of God. We were far off, but now are brought near to God in Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. It's a historical fact, something Christ has done by shedding his blood, and it's a personal experience that we have experienced when we were saved by God. Far off, now brought near. And he brought us near by breaking down the wall of hostility. It's the work of Jesus. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was a wall. There was a separation between us and God, between us and the Jews, And Jesus broke that wall. He abolished that wall of hostility. How did he do it? Before we can go into what it means for now, for us right now, that we are, there's no wall, the wall has been abolished. How did Jesus do it? Verse 15, Paul says, He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments 
expressed in ordinances. Paul says, one of the things that created this wall was this law. There were these commandments. It was a barrier between us and God. It was a barrier between Jews and Gentiles. And we've got to define this a little bit. What we mean by law doesn't mean that God has destroyed all of the law, moral law. Moral law is still here. We're not free to just go do whatever we want to do because Jesus has destroyed the law. Um, It's not as though all of a sudden we can go cheat, steal, murder, commit adultery. Moral law is not abolished. What he did abolish is the ceremonial law. These ceremonial laws defined the Jews as a nation, as a culture. These laws defined and told them what it means to be the people of God. And this ceremonial law was a huge wall. It's the reason the Gentiles could not enter into the temple and worship. It was because of the ceremonial law. And Jesus said, no more. That's it. These ceremonies... These sacrifices, the temple, the rituals, none of this defines my people anymore. Circumcision, irrelevant. No more. You do not have to do this stuff to belong. It's abolished. The wall is destroyed. There is no longer a division between the two people. The division of the ceremonial law. But the law wasn't just a barrier between Gentiles and Jews. It was also a barrier between us and God. The law shows the holiness of God, the perfection of God. And by doing that, it shows the sinfulness of man. How short we fall of that holiness. And so the law was a wedge. It was a wedge between us and God. It shed light on the chasm between us. It was a burden. It was a curse. There's many descriptions that the Bible has for this law. And it was a burden because it demanded perfection, but that perfection could not be achieved by us. And so the law became a condemnation. It condemned us instead of bringing us closer to God. And so what does Jesus do? How does Jesus abolish this part of the law? How can we now be, not, not have this wall of separation? Jesus' life on earth was in perfect obedience to the Father. Jesus fulfilled the law, every single one of them to the dot. The moral laws, ceremonial laws, All of the laws. And so now our salvation, our acceptance by God, is not through the law. It's not through these religious ceremonies. It's not through sacrifices. Our acceptance, our reconciliation with God is through faith in Jesus. And this is true both for Gentiles and Jews. The ceremonial law is abolished, 
And so trying to keep the law as a way of salvation is abolished. And that's for all humanity. It's for the Gentiles and the Jews. The only way to be saved is through Jesus. And so by destroying and abolishing the law, Jesus breaks the wall of hostility by getting away with its regulations, with its condemnations. So that's the first, the first way that God, Jesus, um, that's, that's the first way that Jesus destroys this wall. Second, Jesus destroys the wall of hostility by creating a new people. Jesus didn't just abolish, didn't, Jesus didn't just destroy, but he created something new. We'll read this in verse 15. He had broken down in his, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. He destroyed the wall of hostility by cremating one man instead of two. That means that Jesus took the Gentiles and the Jews and created one people, one society. This new people, this one man, is us. It's the Christian community of faith, community of God. God did not incorporate us into a Jewish system. God did not say, hey, now you, have, you are accepted by the Jewish community, but you still have to do all the cultural stuff. No. He created a new community. And this was an absolute revolution. This was revolutionary. And that is why Paul was almost killed, because he, a Jew, was doing life with a Gentile guy from Ephesus. The apostles were getting a lot of heat for this. They were worshiping together with Gentiles. This was a revolution. And in Galatians 3.28, Paul goes even further. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. This is phenomenal. This does not mean that God takes away, that God puts aside our genders, our nationalities, our status, cultural status. But what this means is, whoever you are, whatever you are defined by, in Christ we are all equal before God. All inequality is abolished. By removing the wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the Jews, Gentiles, and God, Jesus also tore down thousands of other walls of hostilities. We are masters. We are masters at building walls. 
walls of skin color, walls of race, walls of genders, walls of economic status, of abilities, of religious walks, of cultures. Oh, we're different? Wall. Humans love to build walls. In Christ, there's no hostility between man and man. There is no hostility between man and God. In Christ, all are accepted, all are loved, all walls are tore down. It's a new society. One man created by God, the new people of God, a people made out of every language, tribe, every color, every social status, every nationality. It doesn't matter who you are. You are welcomed. You are accepted. As I'm saying this, we know that our culture is trying to preach the same message. Our culture is trying to appeal to the same thing. And by saying this, we're not embracing the way culture is fighting for inequality. There's certainly a lot of good that our culture is fighting for. But here's the difference. God accepts us by embracing our differences, uniting us through Jesus. Our unity is built on Christ. He is our cornerstone. And so poor or rich, male or female, whatever the skin color are, you are accepted without being diminished. Our God-given identity is not diminished. Your sexuality, your race, your gender, it is not diminished. It is celebrated by God. What is the culture doing? Our culture is seeking to bring inequality, equality by destroying the identity that God has given us. By destroying gender, destroying sexuality, by trying to level all economic statuses and social statuses. Jesus doesn't do that. It does not matter who you are. You're welcome into the family of God without diminishing the identity that God has given you. Another thing I have to mention here is There's still people, it's a very popular thing for people to do, is to treat Israel, treat the nation of Israel, the Jewish people of God, as though they are still a separate people. Yes, we believe that there will be some sort of revival, there will be an awakening for God's people. But Paul says we are one. Two became one. They don't get any special treatment. They don't live by another standard, by another covenant. 
They don't have another way to God but through Jesus. And so we got to be really careful not to rebuild that wall again. That wall that was once separating us. The wall that Christ has destroyed. God made one man out of two. One people. Jesus broke the wall. He abolished the law. And he created a new people. Jesus also destroyed the wall by reconciling us to God. Verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Paul says Jesus came to reconcile us both. Jesus preached peace to those who were far off, and he preached peace to those who were near. Both Jews and Gentiles needed reconciliation. Both Jews and Gentiles were separated from God. And Christ preached to both because both needed reconciliation. The Jews were near. The Jews had the religion, they had the knowledge of God, but as a nation, they were not reconciled to God. And on the contrary, because they possessed the law, because they possessed the ceremonies, their condemnation was even more obvious. They couldn't fulfill it. And so through the cross, through his death, Jesus brings peace to both. He reconciles us both to God. And so lastly, who are we now? Because of the work of Jesus, who have we become? We were alienated, separated, strangers, no hope, no God, walls, hostility, no access, no belonging. Jesus destroyed those walls by abolishing the law, by creating a new people, by reconciling both Jews and Gentiles to God. So what now? Who are we? Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Because of the work of Jesus, we are now no longer alienated or strangers to God. If you remember, Paul said, we had no part in the commonwealth of Israel. We did not belong to the political nation. Paul says, well, you are citizens. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. We did not belong to a family Paul says we are adopted. We are members of the household of 
God. We belong. There was a wall preventing us from entering into the temple. We had no access to worship God. We had no access to bring sacrifices for our sin. And as Paul is writing it to this, these churches in Ephesus, there's a temple, temple of Artemis. Big, beautiful temple. It's one of the seven wonders. And there's also a Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Magnificent temple. A temple with walls of hostility. And God is not present in either one. God is not dwelling in those temples. The living God built himself a new dwelling place. And his dwelling place is his new people. His church. We are now his temple. We are God's dwelling place that he dwells in by his spirit that he's continuing to build. It's not somewhere out there that God dwells. He dwells among us. We are his temple. The temple was the most sacred thing to the Jews. It was the thing that they were looking forward to go to and be in. Church, this is us right now. We now have full acceptance, full access. There's no walls. At any moment of time, we can be with God. We can fellowship with God. That is who we are now. And so as we think, as we remember, with Paul's help, who we were, as we remember who we are now in Christ, I just want to challenge all of us. I just want to ask a few questions. What kind of walls of hostilities are we building today? What kind of walls are you building today? If you remember in chapter 1, one of the future blessings that we are awaiting, that we are awaiting that Jesus will bring to us is that he will unite all things in heaven and all things on earth once and for all. And in that future blessing, there will be no more walls, no more hostility. But as we wait for that future blessing, we got to be aware that we love building walls. So what kind of walls of hostility do you build? Pride? Unforgiveness? Jealousy? Prejudice? Politics? Bitterness? Racism? Certain habits that you have? We can go on and on. I hope that the Spirit of God is doing a work in you, showing you these walls. We all have them. We all build them. These walls we build in our homes, in our families, our churches, at work, could be in the community. 
Church, the world is looking. The world is longing for reconciliation. The world is longing for peace. True reconciliation is found in God, as we just saw. In Jesus, there is power to overcome the greatest divisions, the greatest chasms. We saw two of them, the greatest ones, between Jews and Gentiles, no more wall. Between us and God, no more wall. God can overcome, Jesus can overcome any wall of hostility that it is in your life right now. As people of God, as his temple, dwelt in by the Holy Spirit, reconciled by God to God and to one another, we are given a mission, a mission of reconciliation. What kind of witnesses are we if instead of tearing down walls and doing the work of reconciliation, we continue to build walls of hostility? It's a contradiction. Our witness becomes powerless. It's a church. Let's remember who we were. We were dead, enslaved, condemned, alienated, strangers, not belonging. More than that, let's remember what Christ has done. His grace, his love, how he has made us alive, how he has adopted, how he has reconciled us. Let that be imprinted on our hearts, on our minds. And let it work itself out in our families, in our workplaces, in our churches. Allow God to do the work of reconciliation in your life. And let's, ex- and let's extend that grace and love to the world that's desperately looking for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious to us. Who are we? We do not deserve this love. We do not deserve this rich, lavish grace, but you have freely given it to us. You have reconciled us to yourself. You have reconciled us to one another. You have destroyed the walls of division and hostility. And we thank you for that, Father. Lord, I pray that you would do that. You would continue to do that work in us. The residual sin within our hearts That we, Father, still continue to build walls. Lord, forgive us for that. Show us those walls in our relationships, in our communities, Father. And show us how your reconciling power that was at work in us, that is at work in us, is able to bring reconciliation to these walls. It's able to tear down these walls. Lord, do that work in us. For your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen.